0: It feels like uh, it's been ages with this COVID thing, doesn't it? Um, it just keeps going on and on and on. I don't know when it's going to end, but um, I remember, of course, back when it started and, uh, you know, we shut down for a while and then then we were preparing to come back. And I remember having to ask all of you to do things, you know, to change up our our. Behaviors and what we did. So masking, you know, we wanted everybody to wear a mask at that time. How we received communion, how we engaged each other, how we took up the collection, how we, I mean, everything, right? We just wanted to, we want to be as safe as we could. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, they're never going to do it. They're never, gosh, they're not going to do it. Not because I didn't think you were good. Not because you're bad people. I just thought, how in the world is everyone going to do it? And everyone did it. I was so surprised, but gladly, I was happily surprised, and I was so proud of you. I really was. I still am so proud of you for, you know, banding together and and uh, you know doing things we didn't necessarily want to do or moving out of our comfort zone because it showed a great deal of love for each other. Right? Because we all have different, and we still do. We have all different opinions on what works, what's effective, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And at that time, when when there really wasn't a lot known, we all chose to do what we thought was best for one another. And I remember talking to, to brother priests around the valley, and I'd say, well, how's it going for you, you know? And they'd say, yeah, they're not listening to me at all. To which, of course, I said, well, I wouldn't listen to you either, because you're a knucklehead. But... Um, but no, these are good guys, but they, they had difficulty, you know, it was difficult. And um, um, it was difficult to know what to say and how to say it. Anyway, the point is that I I was and am so grateful that you are my community. Just, I was so proud of you. And I'm still so proud of you because, as we know, unfortunately, the whole COVID thing has gotten, you know, politicized and everything else. And it it's become just like... The voting year, you know how the voting year I'll have, you would not believe confessions running up to a presidential election. I'm serious. Well, you know, because you're the ones confessing, you know. I don't talk to my wife. I don't talk to my kids. I don't talk, I don't talk to anybody, Father. Well, I'm sure they're the problem. Um, you know, but it, it's just interesting, right? I mean, how, uh, how tense it can get. And one of the things, again, I'm so grateful for is that as a community, even now when masks are not mandatory, people want to wear masks and they might have very good reasons to wear masks. You know, one of the reasons I wear a mask is because if I get it, I'm not worried about necessarily getting it. But if I get it, you don't have a priest and I got to sit on the shelf. Or I got to sit on the bench for a couple of weeks. So I'd rather not do that everybody has reasons, and some of them health, and it doesn't matter. But what's great about our community is we're not throwing rocks at each other about it. We're going to respect each other. We're going to respect each other's dignity, because that's who we are. We understand that the unity we share is more important than our particular positions on that issue. Now, one of the things that's important to note about Catholicism Christianity is its it's particularly a communitarian faith. It's not a me and my Jesus faith. It's an us and Jesus faith. It always has been. It always has been the uh, you know at the beginning of, of Catholicism Christianity. There was only Catholicism at the beginning, of course. Um, you know the the notable thing that the Romans would say of these new Christians was how much they actually loved one another. That was notable. Notable enough that they wrote about it. Like, these people, there must be something wrong with them. They actually love each other. There wasn't, uh, what bound them together wasn't contractual or obligatory. It was, you know, truly lovingness. And so even as we practice our faith today, it needs to have that element Community. It needs to be communal. We need to truly seek each other's good. That it's not just about me going to church, saying my prayers, hearing my Mass, receiving my communion, and going home right after communion. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll come to Mass at the end, you know, if I don't say Mass. Um, I did this a couple weeks ago at the 1030. And I can't... <laughs> It came in and people who always leave early never say hi to me. I'm walking up and they're like this. I'm like, I don't know why you're leaving, it's okay. I mean, you know, if it's not okay, then probably you should have your head down, but you know, there's all kinds of reasons why you might have to. But um but anyway, you know, the, the faith that we share is supposed to be about us receiving communion. In union with whom? God and each other. Always there is a vertical and horizontal dimension, yes just like the cross, a vertical and horizontal dimension to our faith. A transcendent dimension and an imminent dimension, right? It's it's both and, it's never one or the other. And sometimes you'll find people who only want to emphasize this, right? And when, when you go to those communities, those churches, there tends not to be a whole lot of us. There tends to be a whole lot of me doing what I'm supposed to do. And then you might go to other churches where there's only this, horizontal, and sometimes it can be difficult to tell, are we doing anything actually, are we actually reaching out to God, or are we kind of worshiping each other? So ideally, there's a balance. There's a both and in our spirituality, and particularly with the liturgy itself. There's a both and. It's very, you know, you think about the Eucharistic prayer, it's a very intentional thing that's happening where it's particularly transcendent in nature, and it has that vertical dimension. Now that was just the introduction, I have no clue how long I'm going to preach today because there's no football on, so for me anyway. So we want to get at the greatest commandment, loving God with all we have and loving each other as ourselves. And I just spoke about how, how wonderful it is to see how much you love one another. But how do we get to that? How do I get to the point where I can love people I disagree with? Because right? loving people you agree with and, and love you back is, is pretty easy to do. I mean, I have a Shih Tzu, Ella Fitzgerald, and she loves me, you know, perfectly every time. It's obvious. I mean, she just licks my face all day long. Not all day, but you know. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard not to love the cutest dog in the world. It's pretty hard not to, love, not to love people who are loving you back. It's hard to love people who maybe we feel indifferent about, we don't even like, perhaps. How do we love them? How does that happen? Well, it, I think it all starts first with understanding how much God loves us. And people have a really hard time with this. Some people. Some people have a really hard time knowing how much they are actually loved. It's interesting. Sometimes uh, priests will get criticized, usually by by very conservative Catholics, that they talk about God's love too much. Well, he talks about God loving us too much. There could be worse things in the world than hearing about how much God loves us. Because they wanna talk about hell and damnation more. Not for themselves, but for all the other people who need to hear it. These are the comments I'll get. Father, why don't you talk about hell more? Do you not understand hell? Well, no, but everybody else. Oh, okay, everybody else needs to be damned except for you. we have a hard time, especially some people who are the most ardent Catholics, truly understanding how much God loves us and accepting that love. And there's all kinds of reasons, psychological, emotional, and otherwise, why a person might have difficulty believing that. It's not just an intellectual thing. Like, oh, okay, yeah, God loves us perfectly because God is perfect and God cannot do anything imperfect, ergo, he loves us all perfectly. That's great, thanks, Father. But to really know it, to really feel it, to really incorporate that, you know, I am not defined by my sins. I am not defined by my failures. And no no matter how many times I sin, God will always forgive me. How often? Seven times 70. Perfect. Perfectly. God will forgive you as many times as you ask. His love is truly boundless for us. God is not, you know sort of waiting up there, trying to find something wrong with us to keep us from heaven. I'm going to find something to trip them up. I'm going to find some reason to keep them from me. That's not our God. And that's not the God that Jesus speaks of. He speaks of himself and the Father. But he speaks of a God who's always trying to get to us. And the only way to stop it is if we put up the barrier. But if we allow the Lord entry, he will dwell. When we receive Holy Communion, if we allow the Lord entry, he will dwell within us. From there, from that point, understanding how much we are loved, we necessarily respond in love. We respond back to God, understanding what we've been given, understanding this great gift of Jesus' death on the cross, which has forgiven all of the sins of all all of humanity has undone all of the evil that has ever existed in the world definitively. When we understand the gift, we return the gift to him. And then we love God with all of our being, out of gratitude. And because love is diffusive of itself, you know, like throwing a rock in a calm pond, it ripples out. Love necessarily, or if you will, cannot be contained. It simply cannot be contained. Love goes out. It's an outward activity or action. And so that because we love God out of thanksgiving for all the love that he's, been, he's given to us, we necessarily desire to share the love with those around us. And we're empowered, though, by what we've been given. If we truly understand that God dwells in us, by virtue of baptism, our soul is configured in such a way that divine life, grace, lives within us, and every time we receive the sacraments, grace is poured into our souls, grace, God's life in us, transforming us. We desire to give that away. And we can give it away, and it's never diffused. It's like, you know, we use the candles all the time. It's a great image, a metaphor for not just the spirit, but, but also God's love that, you know, you, you can light kind of an infinite number until the candles burn down. You can light hundreds of candles from this candle and each candle will have the same size flame. It's never diminished. So too God's love. So too his grace. It's never diminished. When we give love away, we don't lose it. We still have it. So the desire for God is that we continue to find ways to give that away. And that we we are able to you know, live in this lovingness just as he himself lives in lovingness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and just as we live in lovingness with him, our relationship with him, so too he desires that our families, our friends, our acquaintances, even those we don't know or don't even particularly like, he desires that they also share in that lovingness. And in that way, everybody is built up and receives the support that they really need. It's a great commandment, but it's a strange thing to call it a commandment. It's a strange thing to say you have to do it, but the have to should be diminished by the want to, because the more that we love, the more we want to love, It would be a strange thing to say that we're only going to love those we love 20% or 40%. The more that we love, the more that we experience God's love, the more we desire to give it away, and the more that we desire other people to share in it. Please stand.